We're going to continue our time of worship now by opening up the Word of God. And we've been talking about as a church on what it means to go back to basics, back to our first love, back to this passion for Jesus, back to this drive to serve Him with all of our hearts. And at Imago Church, we like to say that we are, we exist to be a gospel-centered multicultural community where hope is built through restored relationships. And we want to live that out every single week. Next week, we're going to have the opportunity to do that here in our in-person gathering, November 15th, here at the church campus. We'll have some time of worship, fellowship, and also a coat and, f- and canned food drive. So we'll be ready for that. That's part of what it means to go back to the heart of worship as well. Not only worshiping God with our words, but also with our actions. And that's what we're going to be doing next week. This has been quite a long week for us all. And I'm just going to invite our brother Francis Karanja to just pray for us. And this is a special prayer that he is going to be sharing with us um, for our entire community, nation, and world. So let's go ahead and receive now just this opportunity to quiet our hearts as we pray together in this prayer led by our brother Francis. Micah 6.8 I'm reading from the International uh, Standard Version He has made it clear to you, mortal man what is good and what the Lord is requiring from you to act with justice to treasure the Lord's gracious love and to walk humbly in the company of your God Let us pray Our Father, we want to thank you for the love that you have shown on us, O God. We want to thank you, Father, for the renewed mercies that you have on us every morning. If it wasn't for your love and your mercy, dear Lord, we would have been consumed. And this time, dear Father, we want to pray that you help each and every one of us, O God, that we may walk and that we may practice justice, that we may show mercy, and that, Father, we can extend love to those that need love, and we can show mercy to those that need mercy, O God. And that, Father, we also walk in forgiveness, so that, God, we can forgive even as you have forgiven us. Lord, we commit ourselves and our country unto you and we pray that father your love will continue to penetrate each and every person in this nation oh god that father we shall exercise love we shall exercise tolerance dear god we shall exercise forgiveness and that father we shall exercise justice in every sphere of our lives oh god So I pray that the Holy Spirit of God shall lead each and every one of us. Starting, Father, from our our leaders, O God. Pray for the president and the cabinet. And those that, Father, are in leadership, O God, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God will guide them. And that, Father, they shall use wisdom to lead your people, dear Father. We pray, Father, that you extend the same, dear Father, to the state government, to the local government, 
and even father to our cities you will extend the same dear father to our homes and our neighborhoods oh god that all men dear father shall practice justice they shall practice love and they will walk dear father in forgiveness oh god we pray that father you have mercy on each and every one of us oh god We have failed to practice what you have ordered us to do, dear Lord, or compelled us to do. And so, Father, we come this morning repenting and saying, Father, forgive us where we have failed you, O God. In the places, dear Father, that we have raised altars that don't belong, dear God, that have exalted the gods of this earth, Father, we pray that in the name of Jesus, you will give us the strength and the courage to bring them down in the name of Jesus. And that in your praise, Lord, we shall lift your name high. And then when we lift your name high, dear God, you shall pull the hearts of men to yourself, O God. And so, Father, we pray that salvation will be available for all men, O God, as you have given it to us freely. We thank you and we love you. May you continue, Father, to hold this nation. May you continue, Father, to hold every state you continue, Father, to hold even our local, uh, our local counties, oh God, our cities, our neighborhoods, oh God, all the people groups, dear Father, that, Lord, we shall seek after you. We shall seek after your ways, oh God, we shall seek after your will. And that, Father, we shall walk knowing that, God, you are the Lord that changes not. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, O oh God. That, Father, you change not, but you require us as men to change and to follow after your will, O oh God. And so, Father, we pray that you enable each one of us, O oh God, to forsake the ungodly ways and seek your ways and your will, O oh God, so that you can be glorified and that our men, dear Father, may find peace hope and love in your name. We thank you, we love you, we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Francis, for that encouraging and inspiring prayer. A prayer for peace. A prayer for our hearts to reflect the heart of God. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5, Verses 1 to 5. Las escrituras de hoy vienen del libro de Romanos, capítulo 5, versículos 1 al 5. You can follow along in Spanish at home. I'm going to be reading for us in English. Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. Romans 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces Perseverance. Perseverance produces character. 
And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has given to, who has given to us. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for just your grace. We thank you for the reality that we get to live into, Lord, a resurrection reality that reminds us that no matter what, we have you. And when we have you, we have hope, God. You are the gracious and living God. We acknowledge, God, that today many of us are feeling all kinds of different ways. This week has stirred up so many emotions for people across our country. Feelings of all kinds, Lord. And everything in between. But the confidence we have, Lord, is that we can come to you with all of our burdens and cast them onto you. We cast our anxieties. We cast our feelings. We cast our raw emotions. We cast our joyful emotions. We cast all of it before your throne, God. We pray today that you would give light to our very souls, Lord. You have the power to redeem us and to transform us. Tu palabra tiene el poder para transformarnos, Dios Santo. Would you pour out on us, Lord, your spirit of truth, of wisdom, of understanding, that our hearts may be open to know your way, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this all in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. During this fall, together as a church community, we have been on a journey on Romans Road. A journey that takes us back to basics as we've been looking at the book of Romans. We've been looking at what it means to renew our love and passion and commitment to following Jesus. To go back to our first love. To make this very intentional shift into discipleship. Or what I like to call disciple shift. Where we know that Following Jesus is no longer just meaning going to a certain place once a week. But following Jesus is how God transforms our entire lives inside and out from Monday through Sunday. That's what it means to go back to basics. Last week we talked about salvation and how the salvation of God begins with the actions of God and with the forgiveness of God. Today, we're going to be talking about how following Jesus calls us to persevere, to persevere with courage and with boldness. We read about this in the book of Romans in chapter 5, verse 3, just this call to persevere, this call to courage. It says in, in verse 3 here, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and that perseverance produces character and character produces hope. 
Wow, how amazing is that? That this faith that we have in Jesus can take any situation, including suffering, and from that suffering, we can gain perseverance. We can gain courage and boldness. And in order to understand that, how Jesus is able to take suffering and bring perseverance, bring strength out of suffering, we need to go all the way back to God's Word, and specifically to the words of Jesus. God's Word has been reminding us of this promise that God can turn anything, even suffering, any type of anxiety, stress, suffering, God can mold that into something new. He can mold that into strength, into courage, into perseverance. This goes all the way back to other scriptures in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 6. It says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We're reminded once again in the book of Joshua of a similar promise of God's faithfulness in the midst of fear, anxiety, and suffering. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So we see that in the Old Testament, this promise of God's faithfulness to give us strength, even out of suffering, even out of weakness, even out of discouragement, God can do something new. And we see the words of Jesus. Jesus is the model for ministry, the model for courage and for boldness in the life of faith. In Matthew 28, we see the Lord Jesus in what's called the Great Commission. He says, go, go and make disciples. Take courage and go, move forward. The key word in following Jesus, listen to this, friends, family. The key to following Jesus, the key word in following Jesus is not the word no. The key word in following Jesus is the word no. Go, go, trust, make disciples, take courage, move forward, be bold, persevere. The early followers of Jesus that we read about in the book of Romans, they were followers that really were revolutionary. They were transform, transformative. They were transformed and they were transforming the world around them through their courage, through their boldness, through their perseverance. Not because they thought out some well-constructed argument on why they ought to be strong and courageous, on why they should persevere. But these early followers of Jesus, this early church in the book of Romans, was able to transform the world around them because they had been transformed. Because they simply did as Jesus did. They had the Holy Spirit, which gave them boldness, which gave them courage, which gave them strength to keep going, to persevere. 
the early church, the early Christians, they had their minds renewed, not just through information, but through imitation. The early followers of Jesus were able to take strength, to take courage, to be bold, to persevere. Not because they just had information about that, but because they were trying to imitate their Lord. To imitate Jesus. The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this several times in the New Testament. He says, be like me as I am like Christ. So friend, brother, sister, here's what I've learned firsthand from now many years of following Jesus as a pastor and as a friend. I want you to hear this. If you want to know God more intimately or whether you want to know whether God is real or not, then I invite you to simply experiment with this. Experiment with imitating Jesus. Imitate Jesus for a season Do as Jesus did, trust as Jesus does for a season and experience a renewing of your mind through imitation. And I guarantee you this, at the very least, you will know God better by the end of that season, by that season of imitating Jesus. You will know God better more than all of the thinking, arguing, or ignoring, or denying that you may or may not be doing now. Through imitating. I think of childhood development of some of my boys and one way that they are just learning what it means to live in this world is simply through imitating dad, through putting on dad's shoes, through running around walking as dad does. And in the same way, if we want to see our lives transformed, we can begin with imitating Jesus. I love how we see that over and over. You know, there's an apostle by the name of Philip. And one thing that Philip is known for is for this phrase that he says in the Gospels. He says, come and see. Inviting people to come and see Jesus. He wasn't just trying to argue. He wasn't just trying to deny, affirm, whatever it may be. He would just say, come and see. Through imitating and trusting in Christ, you will learn all kinds of things. All kinds of things about God, all kinds of things about people. But I guarantee this. You will grow in your boldness in your courage, and in your perseverance by imitating Christ. Christ persevered. He kept carrying his cross, even with the pain, even with the suffering, even with the doubt. He kept going. As we imitate Christ, we will grow in our perseverance. We will see God Bring perseverance out of suffering. That's how God does it, through imitating. We won't grow in our boldness, in our courage, in our perseverance. We won't grow in that by obsessing in the fear or obsessing in the insecurity or in replaying the issue or the conversation over and over and over in our mind. 
that issue or conversation that makes us anxious, that keeps us up at night, that's not going to grow us in boldness and in courage. Jesus says it well. He says, is the teacher greater than the master? Is the student greater than the master? No. Jesus suffered. He persevered. We will also suffer. But the invitation from Jesus is to persevere and to see God do something new. From that perseverance will come character. From that character will come hope. That's what's going to do it through imitating Jesus. Self-talk won't do the trick. Virtue and boldness is something that is learned through abiding, trusting, and imitating Jesus Christ. Not just in concept, but actually in function, in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we are. Living virtuously, living with courage is not just something we can do through knowledge and information or even inspiration or religious phrases or whatever it may be. Because one thing we see here in the book of Romans and throughout the New Testament, we learn something about truth, about God's truth. And this is what we learn about gospel truth. Truth has a couple parts to it. Part of truth is knowledge. But the greater point of the gospel is that truth goes beyond knowledge. We are invited to live the truth. Not just to know about the truth, but to live the truth. This is what's called living truth. You and I, when we trust and we imitate and we abide in Jesus Christ, we get to be invited into living truth. Through abiding, trusting, imitating Jesus Christ and becoming the people that God created us to be. That's living truth. Living truth will be greater proof of God's existence than any kind of argument, any kind of information, any kind of attitude, any kind of song. God invites us into living truth. That's part of the journey of going back to basics. When we live out the, that truth, we're not going to do everything perfectly. There will be times when we fail. And the best thing that we can possibly do when we fail, when we stumble, when we fall, is simply accept the truth and draw near to God. Accepting the truth and drawing near to God, especially when we stumble, especially when we fall, this is what's called humility. Humility is being honest, being honest about who we are. We're broken. That's why we need a Savior. But humility is also being honest about who God is. God is mighty. He is faithful. He is gracious. He is mighty to save and quick to love. Humility, and this is one of the best definitions a good friend of mine has given me, is that humility is what takes place when we encounter reality. The story of the gospel does not end with failure, but in order to experience the living truth of the gospel, it must begin with failure. 
when you and I come to terms with the reality that we cannot do it on our own, that we have missed the mark, that we cannot be our own saviors, that no one else can. I need to be able to face myself as a sinner in order to know God as a Savior. That's where living truth begins. Humility provides that reality check. Humility, just to be clear, because I know it can get confused sometimes, but humility is not humiliation. Real humility leads to real honesty. Honesty leads to boldness, and boldness leads to courage, and courage leads to perseverance. To keep going, to press on. We see this in the passage that we read in Romans 5, 5. We're reminded of the hope we have, and it says this, And hope does not put us to shame. You and I are not called to shame, to live in shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's new community, you and I, God's people, we are bowed down to God. And because we're bowed down to God, in doing so, we are able to stand up straight and look the world in the eye have our heads held high. Because bowing down before God means that we do not bow down or worship any other human being or anything in creation. Bow down and being restored to God, to being who we were created to be, that means that we have a renewed dignity. Our dignity is not with pride, but our dignity is something that we can hold on to with courage to be a blessing to others. A renewed dignity that allows us to really live out truth and courage and steadfastness and in confidence. A confidence that is not in ourselves, but a confidence in Jesus Christ. A confidence in the one who calls us to be brave who calls us to boldness. The Apostle Paul, here in the book of Romans and throughout the New Testament, had many moments where he had to simply be brave, be bold, to persevere, to keep going, even when he didn't feel like it. Now, he was only able to do that because he was imitating Jesus When we imitate Jesus, we get that deeper invitation into living truth. Because faith, real faith, gives us courage to charge the unknown. To go without knowing. To persevere even in uncertainty. To pass on our faith through our lives, through our words, and through our actions to allow God's truth to become a living truth that transforms every part of who we are. That's part of what it means to follow Jesus into faith, 
into real faith. Following God in this journey back to basics is a journey of following God into mission. Oftentimes when we follow God into mission, we can feel like stepping into the unknown. When we follow God into mission, when we follow the calling that God has for you, for me, it's never going to really feel like that predictable pattern that we all wish we could experience, that pattern that says, ready, set, go. But now when we follow Jesus in deeper faith, in real faith, it's going to require a new kind of pattern where we let go of the expectation of ready, set, go, and instead God says, go, set, ready, and trust. I am with you. Yes, I know you don't see the full path ahead. I know there's a lot of uncertainty. I know there's doubt. But go, I am with you. That's the promise of Jesus. A new pattern that requires courage. We can trust God's promises because we know the end. Here in this Bible, when we, when we turn to the end, we know how the story ends. We know the conclusion. We know that God has the final word, that there is a living hope, that there is resurrection. When we know the end, when we know that the end is going to be living hope and resurrection, that gives us a new boldness. That gives us a new kind of courage where we are free to follow and where we are free to trust. This is what it means to be a Christian. It is to have Jesus' story as my story. And I can now live into that redemption story. We can have patience, we can have resilience, and a new boldness because of this, because of the story of Jesus. We've said this before at Imago, but that's what it means to be restored. Restored means to be restoried, to have our story told once again. What's happened before does not have to be the end. When we are restored, we become restored storied. Paul, the author of the book of Romans, he had many, many challenging times, and we got to see him over and over again proclaim this gospel message to invite others to be restored, to be restoried, and to invite others into that greater story. When we live out the gospel and we share the gospel, that's exactly what we're doing. We're inviting others into a greater story, into a better story, into God's story. For years now, as I've been preaching for now well over 10 years, part of my prayer every Sunday before a sermon is this, and it's just become a part of my regular Sunday prayer before uh, preaching on Sundays, and it's this, Lord, may we tell the story of Christ so that we would become the story of Christ. 
so that we would be restored and restoried by you, Jesus. In fact, that's the purpose of the church. The story of Jesus continues through God's people, through me and you, and through passing it on to the next generation, to passing it on in our households, our neighborhoods, our cities, our, our nation, our world. The story of Jesus continues through God's people. We don't exist just for ourselves, but we exist to tell a story, a greater story, a gospel story, and invite others into that eternal story. God calls us to take courage, to persevere, to keep going, even in unknown and uncertain and anxious times, maybe like you have felt this week or at different points this year. But we know the conclusion. We know that God will be victorious, that there is hope, there is resurrection. And knowing the conclusion gives us courage. It gives us boldness. Because if this story of Jesus is true, and guess what? There is really nothing to lose. There is really nothing to be afraid of. If we believe that Jesus has the victory, that the resurrection will have the final word, then guess what? There's really nothing to lose. There's nothing to be afraid of. The power of Easter has more power than any election. The power of resurrection will have the final word. That gives us a new courage, a new boldness, knowing that there's really nothing to lose. Nothing can truly be taken from my life because Jesus is enough. The truth will not only make us free when we think this way, but the truth will also make us courageous. The as was said in the scriptures in John 8.32, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, will set you free. But what we see here is that the truth will not only make us free, the truth will actually make us a bit odd, a bit weird. Because that's a strange way of looking at reality knowing that we have a living hope, knowing that there's truly nothing to be afraid of. That's adopting a new way, a Jesus kind of way that uses boldness to serve and respond to evil with love. Not because of our feeling or experience right now, but because of what we know the final chapter to be. The final chapter of our story is a risen and resurrected Savior, a victorious Savior who has been made alive and who we get to worship in spirit and in truth. Because Jesus lives, guess what? That means that we too shall live. Because Jesus has a future, that means that you and I have a future. Will we trust 
in this greater story today? Will we take courage to say yes to God over all the noise that may be around us? In our trust, we too shall live into this eternal story. Friends, brothers, sisters, may we boldly and calmly walk into the story of Jesus Christ and embrace his story as our story. I love those words, boldly and calmly. One of my favorite writers on, on, uh, on spiritual growth and maturity was actually this writer by the name of Dallas Willard. And he was once asked, if you could describe Jesus in one word, how would you describe him? And the word he chose was calm. Jesus was calm amidst any situation, any circumstance. Jesus was courageous. Jesus was confident that God always makes a way. What would it look like for us to step into this new season, into this new chapter, even in our, uh, in, in, in this year of 2020, in this new uh, chapter for American history, whatever that's going to look like, may we boldly walk into that calmly, into the story of Christ and embrace his story as our story. That's what faith does. Faith invites us to do something pretty unthinkable. Faith invites us to be willing to doubt our fears. Faith invites us to be willing to question our anxieties. Our fears and our anxieties will not have the final word. Church, God's people, today, may we bring the big fears and the big anxieties before God. Rather than fleeing into fear or giving into fear or giving into something or someone else that we know will not fulfill us or comfort us in the way that only the living God can. One of my favorite definitions that I ever heard for fear is really that F-E-A-R, fear. Forget everything and run. That's what fear invites us into, to forget everything and run away. But Jesus calls us into a different way. Jesus calls us into faith. And what is faith? Faith is trust and acceptance. It's trust and acceptance that in light of God's grace, in light of God's promises and covenant, everything is going to be all right. Hope has the final word. In Jesus Christ, the world has been reconciled to God on the cross, and we are to live in light of that reality, confidently believing that even the worst things, even the most challenging things, even the most uncertain things will not be the last things. There is a greater story. There is a greater hope, and faith gives us courage. It gives us courage to live in light of God's new reality.
That's where courage will lead us toward God's new reality. There's another way, the way of fear. Fear will lead us to cheap cynicism, to negativity, to pessimism, to discouragement or discouraging others. That's the other way. And you know what? That's the easy route. And you and I know that all those things, cynicism, negativity, pessimism, being a a downer, discouragement, that's all really just a mask for fear. Those are all just different expressions for fear. And oftentimes, the shortcut, fear is the shortcut that's used to avoid really actively engaging in the reality of God's call. Faith gives us courage to move forward, to keep going, to persevere, to go into the unknown, to embrace uncertainty because we're certain of one thing. We're certain of the life and the love of Jesus Christ. We're certain of the one who invites us to walk with him, to enter into his light, into our, to really let God into all of the hard places of our lives. So in this time, I'm really praying. I'm praying for you. I ask that you pray for me as well. But we pray for each other, for our church, for our church family, for our community, for our country. May we be a people of good news. May we be a people marked by courage, boldness, and perseverance. That's what I'm praying for, for each one of you in this time. One of my favorite writers um, on this topic of courage and boldness is a writer by the name of Gary Haugen, and he wrote a book called Just Courage, and he describes courage as charging the darkness. Courage doesn't mean not being afraid of anything, but courage is actually this. A very simple definition that I've learned for courage is one that I've heard in the past, that courage is simply fear that has said its prayers. What fear in your life do you need to bring to the Lord? What fear is there that needs to say its prayers? What anxiety, what frustration, what challenge do you need to bring before the Lord this morning? So that's exactly what we're going to do as we conclude our time here. We are going to do exactly what the scripture says. We will pray for boldness, for courage, for perseverance. What do you need to pray over today? What do you need to give over to God this morning? As we do so, remember this. Courage is simply fear that has said its prayers. As one church family, let's say, our prayers. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you that your word is a light unto our feet. Your word guides us. 
to where we ought to go, where we are called to go, Lord. And this morning, we simply receive, Lord, and we pray these words from your holy word, God, from your scriptures. These words that we read in this passage in Romans 5 that say this, that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put to shame. Thank you, Jesus, that we are called to be a people of courage, not a people of shame, God. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, your spirit, that has been given to us because of the life and work and person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you, God, that you meet us where we're at. Thank you, God, that you're going to bring it all together in a unique and wonderful way that only you can. Our hope is in you and in you alone this week. We pray that and we affirm that today. In the faithful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.